Hello and welcome to the December 2020 edition of the Xcoders Community Podcast. I'm Jared Sorge, and joining the show today is Chris Par- Chris Parrish. <laughs> How's it going, Chris? It's going good. Yeah. Just a, I, Look, I trip up over my own name plenty, so don't worry. It's... <laughs> welcome to the end of 2020. Uh, yeah. That, doesn't that feel good to say? Is it not? It does. Delightful? <laughs> it, somewhat with trepidation for not knowing what 2021 will bring, but... Yeah. Definitely hopeful that it's it's going to be better than this year has. <laughs> right, yeah. At least there's that sense of hope that there could mm-hmm. be a, a new dawn. Yeah. As we record, it's the 29th of December. I'm going to get this episode out by the end of the year. So uh, hopefully everyone listening has had a, a safe holiday and good plans for the, for the new year. Um. So thanks for hopping on the show, Chris. Yeah, it's great. It's great to uh, be able to participate in some Xcoder stuff. It's been forever since i've seen any of you folks or been to a meeting or an after meeting so yeah i'm glad to be able to contribute in some way i think our last in-person meeting was february something like that that sounds right which is ridiculous um so i wanted to chat a little bit about you and then about the year and what you're excited for for next year so i know there's you've got a little bit of a history with uh podcasting in the area and you did uh an episode of your, your podcast the record kind of about your like technical background and stuff. So how did you find uh, Xcoders? Yeah, it was funny. I was thinking about that recently, and um, some of the details were lost into the time. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, mailboxes passed. I had, did try to unarchive some old mailboxes to try to search and figure <laughs> out, like, when was the exact time I found Xcoders? <laughs> but to my recollection, it's somewhere somewhere around 2006, maybe 2005. Oh, um, wow. Pro- you know? Like it was pretty early on, they had moved on from the UW meetings, Mm -hmm. and I might have even known about it then because I had gone back to work on a master's degree at the UW right around that time. So there's a possibility I saw some sort of notice about the Xcoders thing. I can't remember for sure, but Mm -hmm. um, it was a little bit after I had finished my time back at the UW and had (coughs) uh, began a startup with some of my colleagues at adobe called rogue sheep and one of my colleagues matt joss who you may know he's been to some meetings he doesn't come out as frequently as he used to i'm almost positive that matt said to me one day hey like you know hey there's that xcoders group uh do you want to go to the meeting sometime and i was like sure sounds fun so i that (laughs) is kind of what i probably would have never made the effort if it hadn't been for for matt saying like hey we should go try that Mm -hmm. Uh, and so um you know i think of all the people in our company he and i were the Apple nerdiest, right? Like the ones that would be like into all the indie developers doing cool stuff on uh, on the Mac. And, you know, there was kind of a large concentration of cool indie development in the Seattle area. Um, and so it was really cool to get to go meet some of those people. And of course, um, it was, you know, the group started by Joe Heck mm-hmm. and uh, getting to meet him is great. You know, we remain friends to this day. And in fact, I was just recently talking with him about some work-related stuff. Um, yeah, Joe's great. I'm just so happy to see that this thing that Joe started so long ago, which is makes me feel old, but true, <laughs> uh, has continued to live and thrive. And it's so awesome. You know, so, so many people have stepped up to the plate to take over and keep the group going and to do things like this podcast and, and keep pushing it in new areas. So it's just awesome to see something that has such a life like that i've lived long enough now to see lots of things are pretty temporary and and don't last long uh and seeing this group maintain for so many years is just 
just thrilling, honestly. Yeah, for sure. It's it's definitely been difficult not meeting together in person uh, over the last ten months or so, and we we've had some decent discussions on the Slack channel. Uh, I don't know if everybody knows that we have a Slack channel, um, but there's a, a decent place for community there if you want to. If anyone wants to go and and chat about projects or ask questions or just shoot the breeze, like uh, on our website, I think is a link to the sign up page if if you haven't done that yet. And and I've been trying to keep this going. This is just like a monthly thing, just to get something you know, keep something going while we can't be together. Yeah. That's fantastic. Hopefully we're we're on the edge of uh being on the other side of that. But uh you know what's crazy too? I should I I don't know if everyone knows who might be a part of the X Cutter stuff, but um it was you know, we used to have these things called user groups back in the day. I don't know if any of them still exist, but they were like, you know, informal ways for folks who were into uh some sort of niche of technology to be able to get together and share information. We didn't mm-hmm. have quite the resources we had on the, with the ubiquity of the internet we have now. And so the Seattle Xcoder started at meeting at the space that the local Mac users group had. So debug, um, debug, yeah. So yeah. that's where I remember having meetings there, and it was so fun because it was, it was just a bunch of people gathered in this room and kind of you know like it is now. <clears throat> the the burden was on those of us that attended to come up with something fun to talk about <laughs> uh, and give a presentation. So I, I can't remember. I know I gave a couple presentations back in those early days like i did one on quartz composer and that was super fun and it might have been that one maybe there was a core image one that i did too i can't remember Hmm. i I remember one of them the quartz composer one i had managed to find some patch that someone had done to hook up a a nintendo wii controller and oh wow rotate the wii with its accelerometer and then (laughs) that would cause you could use that as inputs into your quartz composer uh uh piece and uh I think I had like a 3D cube rotating or something. And That's really that cool. Kind of thing. So it was fun because it just felt like there were all these, it was it was a great way to get to explore. Like I would never have time to do that for my job, right? Like mm-hmm. at that time I was working at Adobe on InDesign. Or no, I guess that was Rogue Sheep. We just started Rogue Sheep. And um, uh, there wouldn't have been any excuse to work on that with what we were doing. <laughs> and it was like, oh, here's a chance to play with Quartz Composer and try this crazy thing. So it was super fun to have that as a resource and an outlet and, yeah, absolutely. And have other folks to bounce ideas off of back in the day. Yeah, I got started with Xcoders going to the NS Coder nights uh, over yeah. at the Wayward Coffee House, and that was like when I was first getting started programming and doing those things and like just going and talking to people about whatever, not just the stuff I'm working on or what they're working on, but like, hey, did you see this new this new MacBook Pro or the new iPhone or whatever? It's like that community. Uh, has been really, really cool. And I wish that I had been part of it like five, 10 years prior, even w- when I wasn't a programmer. Yeah, it's a great resource. We're so lucky that we, we have uh, a group like that around here to uh, to use in that way. So looking back at 2020, it has been a really weird year. Uh, I'm curious, Apple released a bunch of new stuff. Do you have a favorite of, of all the, the no iPhones and Macs and iPads? Like, is there something that sticks out to you as your favorite thing that they released? Yeah, I think that uh, it has been a heavy year, and uh, I have really spent way too much money with new fun tech <laughs> because of it. But uh, I, I, this would have been a clear answer for me that it was probably the Magic Keyboard for iPad. Oh, I, yeah. I, I'm just, I love the iPad. I've always loved the iPad. I don't know why. It's just always been a joy for me to use the iPad, and I've always felt like there's just that 
something about the touch interface and the direct manipulation and the lightness of everything, mm-hmm. but yet you you've got that surface that's just a little more capable than the phone. Mm-hmm. I, I feel, I mean, honestly, like especially in the the lockdown quarantine times, I'm almost like I don't even need my phone. I'm this weird person who would almost <laughs> give up the phone before the iPad. I think <laughs> if I didn't have to leave the house, I'm sure I would because uh, it, I just get frustrated using the phone, even as big as and beautiful as the screens have gotten. I hate typing on them, and I, I mm-hmm. just you know it's like ah oh, this frustration. But the iPad to me just always just felt like a joy and a place of a lot of potential. Yeah, um, and especially on creative artistic side of things, I really love that idea of what we can do there. And the interestingly enough, the magic keyboard, like I never was a person who kept a keyboard hooked to my iPad. Like I I've always had them to try them out, but the the weight trade off for the gain just never was worth it. Um but when they did the the magic keypad, the, the trackpad combined with the um the actual decent keyboard mm-hmm. and also the sort of the form factor where I treat it almost more like a dock. Like a lot of times it's sitting on my desk with me and I'll pick up the iPad and use it out of it for a bit. And maybe I'm hmm. using the pencil or something or, um, you know, kind of just walk into the room with it for a bit. And then I'll slap it back in the dock and maybe do something to re- respond more to a message or something that that has just worked wonders for me. I just really love, love, love the iPad. And I also because, you know, work so much focuses on being surrounded by some sort of technology all the time. I do love I've all, I've used my iPad as the way to like work's done right like mm-hmm. like i'm shutting down i'm not going to use a computer the rest of the day you know computer yeah. in quotes i'm going to use the ipad that's going to be my thing that's like now now's when i enjoy things besides the the nitty-gritty of getting work stuff done and um so this is just enhanced the ipad for me like i've just I've really really enjoyed it but i do have to say after having said all that right <laughs> here at the end of the year we got those m1 Macs, uh-huh. and i got one of the macbook airs and holy cow has that been i was excited for the arm transition but i didn't really think it would be this great like i have it just has really opened up and made the mac feel like we're going into a new place with this like right there is like like it's it's not just like oh there's another mac that eked out a little more performance and <laughs> added a couple of things and maybe they finally got a keyboard that works you know right it's like wow it's it's so fun to use that MacBook Air, right? and I've been gravitating towards it quite a bit with uh, some of the things I've been doing, despite having this beautiful 10-core iMac Pro and a couple <laughs> of uh, 15-inch laptops. Like, I, you know, I've got like a preponderance of uh, equipment in my office, and like mm-hmm. it, that Air has just been a joy and a revelation. I, I, you know, it was there was hints. I always felt like you see those performance metrics of the ipads and the iphones and you think probably will do pretty good in a mac but this i think really blew the expectations away and it's been really fun to use that macbook air i've, I've really enjoyed uh, tinkering around on it since uh since i got it a while back yeah absolutely i i echo you on on all those sentiments um and i've seen people who have like these maxed out laptops those like the 16 inch macbook pro and they say you know what i'm selling it and i'm gonna work on this this M1 Air for because it's it it builds my project so much faster or it does this faster it's because it has no fan and yeah. I think I know I was like completely unprepared I I have a DTK sitting in my office that I used somewhat sparingly and it was fine it wasn't like blow you away with anything but it was kind of 
some hints of like where they could go with it because it was like a two-year-old cpu in there right right um but then they replaced the bottom end of their lineup and it blows away everything but like the ten thousand dollar computer and you're like what is happening here <laughs> um, yeah i can't believe it personally i mean uh i, I i'm sad because we haven't been able to travel because more than anything i want to be like on an airplane with it and be finally like the <laughs> battery's going to last the whole time and you know it's going to not be overheating and mm-hmm. it's also going to be snappy like i was like i just it's un- unbelievable it, it actually i think that probably the reason i love it so much is it it's made that the mac feel a bit like the joy i get out of my ipad it's super responsive it it never feels slow or bogging mm-hmm. down it has battery. I don't even think about the battery of it. Right. It's unbelievable. Right. So, yeah. And it's just got that comfort level. That's just part of what makes the iPad such a joy to me. The, those MacBook, uh, M1 MacBooks have really brought to the table. It's great. Yeah. I got one of the airs for my wife and every time she opens a screen, I just see it just like turn on instantly. And then <laughs> I, I open my 16 inch that's work issued. So it's got probably some like work junk on there, the management stuff or whatever, but it takes mm-hmm. 30 seconds to get to where I want to go. It's like, what is happening here? Why yeah. can't it all be as fast as this other one? <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, absolutely blown away. At, at work, I've got sort of three tiers of projects that I build. One that builds just stuff that I need just for the iOS version of Photoshop. And mm-hmm. then there's one that kind of builds all of the pieces for that. And then there's one that's the full desktop mm-hmm. <clears throat> Photoshop. And so I did some uh performance measuring of like it felt like these builds were kind of snapping along and i was like you know i'm going to just like try to be real uh um careful and measure these as accurately as i can yeah and did a bunch of builds with the macbook air m1 and my um 15 inch macbook pro so this is right before the whatever was current right before they released the uh, new 16s yeah and then i've got like a uh, really nice 10 core imac pro and what was blowing me away was that in general in building like for that smaller project the macbook air was outpacing my imac pro by just a few seconds but it was actually Mm -hmm. consistently finishing faster uh and then when we got into the bigger projects that were taking more than five minutes to build from scratch the thermal throttling would kick in on the um the air and and i watched it you know i had like a monitoring tool up to to see like oh look there we go i see that the cpus are throttling back mm-hmm. and so it would start to lose pace with the imac pro over the course of those long builds but it always in all cases was significantly faster than my 15 inch macbook air mm. even in the long builds that mm-hmm. re- required throttling so i was just thinking to myself like wow if i had one of those minis or even the the macbook pro instead of the air that has fans like I'm thinking this would build at pace with my 10 core iMac pro. So amazing. I I have the M one mini on my desk and that's actually what I'm recording through right now. with some trepidation about software, (laughs) but why not? Right. And it is amazing how fast this thing is. I, I didn't spec it up because this is like my temporary M star mini. Like I think Mm -hmm. there's enough hints in what they release that it's the the bottom of the product line, and this is kind of getting ahead to the 2021 excitement, um, but I just can't help myself, where <laughs> the, the they didn't replace the Intel Mac Minis. You can still buy those 
And those are still space gray, the like quote unquote professional Mac minis. So I think <laughs> next year you'll, you'll be able to get more RAM than the 16 gig limit. You'll be able to get bigger SSDs. I think you'll probably be able to get like dual Thunderbolt displays out of there um, in some like upgraded Mac mini professional, whatever it is that they call it. And that's where the return of space gray will come to the lineup. Um, yeah, and that's, that's the real thing I want to put on my desk. This is a nice like placeholder. And I intentionally kept the specs as low as possible so that the resale value wouldn't like crumble too much, but it's been so good. It's been amazing. Even though it's like an eight gigs of Ram machine and I have to put some more apps than I would, would prefer. Uh, Everything is just so fast. It's amazing. Yeah, it's such a joy to use those machines. Like it really, you know, a lot, so many upgrades just feel incremental. You get Mm -hmm. excited and you get the thing and you're like, well, it is better, but like, you know, like eh, how much better was it really, you know? And then you get one of these and it's like, this is really noticeably better. This was absolutely (laughs) worth it. Do you have ideas about where where they might take it next year? Like Apple has said it's going to be a two-year Apple Silicon transition. The Intel didn't take that long. I think Intel took a year, year and a half, something like that. Yeah, it feels like this could go really fast. Mm-hmm. Probably the gating factor is production, I would imagine, right? Like, Because it's sort of like having to ramp up to a whole nother line of chip production that's you know not insignificant, right? So I don't know. I mean, I guess in some ways the, the phones dwarf the Mac so much. But <laughs> I, you know, I got to think that probably it's that logistical part of getting to capacity and introducing new parts that would be the the bottleneck for them getting the whole line over but two years seems like plenty of time it really does perspective like as well as this has gone so far so i mean i guess a lot of that probably depends too like i hate to i if there's one thing whenever i predict stuff like it is bound to be wrong so i'm kind (laughs) of terrible at that like i i one year at wwdc i i was walking in and uh it was as the intel transition was being rumored and one of the tv crews stopped me outside they're all like you know talk to us about this intel transition and i was all like ah, i really don't think this is going to happen like it'd be too much of a burden on all the software developers you know having just come from working at adobe and uh, yeah thinking about like, what that crushing feeling would be for adobe to be suddenly <laughs> like oh my god really and um yeah, I was totally wrong. Like, I was all like, oh, boy, I just made a fool out of myself on television, like, as I walked into the keynote and an hour later, like, wow, I wish I hadn't said that. Like, I'm an idiot, but did not look very smart. But, yeah, I do think, like, I I am thinking a lot about what could happen, and I'm really excited to see where it'll go. I'm also tempering myself to be prepared for some sort of disappointment because part of me i don't know maybe it's just because i still want to be the apple fan you know it's like it's a weird place to be apple such a big company they don't Mm -hmm. need fans really right you know like i felt like they needed back in the day when when trying to justify their existence and hope that they cling on and i could you know continue to enjoy their products now they you know dominate so many things it's not like they really need me clapping over in the corner and singing their praises (laughs) but like I would love for Apple to really take the performance crown in some ways, right? For some of these high-end creative type tasks, you know? And I think that the story with the GPU as they move into the pro systems is going to define where, how much of that really comes around. Yeah. Um, you know, cause I, I, I mean, I don't, it's not that important. There can, you know, that sliver of the market that is the people doing, you know, the most intensive 3d and virtual reality applications and things probably is not that noticeable to apple in in some ways right 
but it would be so good for the Mac to be able to be once again, like at the top of that pile and you know what, how they decide to handle the GPU story is going to be a, a big part of that, I think. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. surely they can ramp up a pretty interesting GPU on their own. Um, yeah, yeah, there's there's so. room to grow with the with the integrated. They could even move to a discrete on die kind of thing, kind of like the RAM is now, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't see. I just don't think Apple will make a GPU that's like competing with that very top end Nvidia or um, AMD GPUs, right? Like I kind of mm-hmm. feel like that's like they won't. The, the return on investment won't be there for them to push it that far. I could be totally wrong. I'd love to be surprised. <laughs> so then that kind of opens my mind to like, well, will we continue to have a Mac Pro that supports external GPUs? I mean, not external is not the wrong word. I don't I don't think eGPU is going to go in. Slotted like, GPUs? You know? But yeah, but like, you know, can, will we still have like a, a Mac Pro with Apple Silicon in it that will take a third-party card and you be able to plug some, you know, something close to the highest performing gpu possible into one of these amazing macs like i i don't know i don't know i'm afraid to predict because i'm sure i'll be wrong again but like i would love to see where that's going to go because uh it would be super cool to be able to just have a really tricked out mac that uh that could compete with the the highest end of what's uh, available in that arena that becomes i think more of a question of drivers than anything like yeah. will apple allow other companies to build drivers for their graphics cards on on Apple Silicon platforms. Right. And I don't, I don't know. I think, I think we'll probably see multiple like GPU card options at some point for the Mac pro kind of like we do with uh, the ATX modules now on the, the newer Mac pro, mm-hmm. but I think they might all end up just being Apple GPUs. I don't know if they will be AMD or NVIDIA and Apple's not used NVIDIA for a number of years now. Yeah. Right. I mean, it almost feels like there's no chance for NVIDIA. They've had, yeah a relationship with amd will they continue doing that or not going forward so that that would be pretty interesting you know there's a i live on bainbridge island now and there's a uh, um nvidia engineer i run into at the coffee shop frequently <laughs> and i kind of feel like i'm it'd be nice for for uh to get back out to the coffee shops again after pandemic dust mm-hmm. settles and try to get some inside info out of that guy and see if he can tell me you know anything you know anything about this uh it'd be be great to know because uh because yeah i think i mean like i said i'm sure apple can build a gpu that will be sufficient for a lot of pro task um Mm-hmm. And, and I suspect they can tailor it towards what they see a lot. Like I imagine the high-end video editing stuff, like, you know, if there's tweaks to be made to support what they see as the most common workflows, you know, they can probably steer it towards that, right? And that's probably going to mm-hmm. be what they do. But I would love to see if there's going to be any kind of uh, chance to to plug in just about anything, you know, even if Apple doesn't make the drivers. But Yeah, that's the whole, I think that's the whole, like, driving force of their pro workflows group. Right where they have like audio video graphics professionals just using their hardware and software and saying, here's, here's where you can make this better. Or could you try adding that option or, or whatever the, the things that they need to get those pro machines and software up to where professionals yep. would want to be. Yep. Yeah, definitely. So, and, and hopefully, hopefully that group is doing it justice. And, and uh, you know, I think one of the things that we all try to predict what Apple should do or could do, but 
we are so not available. We don't, the data that they have is not available to us, right? Like, and so we're making yeah. these predictions, not knowing what they see as the usages that are the most common that give you the most bang for the buck out there. So, so it is hard, but I, I hope that pro group does uh, keep them honest in that way. I know way back in the day, Adobe used to have a magazine that was internal. And when I worked on InDesign and, uh, you know, publishing tools, that was a great resource. I always thought that it was so smart to have a group using your tools in a real setting, you know, like your customers were, because it's a complicated thing, right? You know, I mean, making a magazine and publishing it, you know, there's a lot of pieces that go into that. And so having someone doing that right there uh, that you have a good relationship with was quite an awesome thing, I thought. I was super impressed with that when I was younger engineer at Adobe. And so when I saw that Apple kicked up that pro group, I was like, ah, that does remind me of that and how useful that was. So hopefully they're, they're getting a lot of value out of that. I think it's been pretty well documented that whenever Apple is dog fooding their own stuff internally, the stuff that they produce for everybody else gets lots and lots better. Right. Yep. You know, there's the, the example that comes to mind recently is the watch where they would have access to using the internal watch APIs and UI kit on the watch. And then they gave developers watch kit, which kind of was not great mm -hmm. <laughs> because exactly. Apple wasn't using it. So they never experienced the pain of developing for it. And if they're dog fooding their own stuff, it's going to make their products that much better. And I'm really excited to see where they go with Apple Silicon in the next year. Yeah. I think it's going to be the story of 2021 in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many cool things happening there too. I've been thinking a lot too about how, you know, it's not just the regular compute cores in these M1s that are interesting. They've got these neural engine on board that's uh, specialized for processing neural networks and other machine learning mm -hmm. tasks. They've got all the kind of custom image processing hardware that they have on these chips, yeah. you know, whether it be video or uh, any kind of codecs or just general image processing tasks. We've got that cool thing that doesn't get talked about a lot the afterburner that you can throw into the mac pro oh yeah this big you know reprogrammable card essentially and i'm super excited about all those things but i do have a tinge of sadness about it because they're all layered under apple's api so like you know you can't you can use the neural engine on the mac or the or an iphone or an ipad but only through core ml right like and you can, mm. you know, the, the afterburner, you, as far as I know, there's no way to reprogram it, right? If you wanted to do some of your own experimenting with that. I thought it was programmable. It like, is certainly if programmable. If I remember, it was like a programmable ASIC, it, and I'm not sure what yeah. any of that means. But. Yeah, no, it's, I, yeah, it's, I, it's like a FPGA, I think. Um, but I don't think, now, I haven't kept up on this since the launch of the Mac Pro, so I could be out of date here. <laughs> but <clears throat> there was no way as a third-party developer you to oh. get any kind of i'm sure now there may be hacks that people have done and, and found a way to get to it um but there's definitely not like a uh api that's like you know hey here's as far as i know there's can you you know here you can uh write your own programs almost you know like shaders or something and send them down to the afterburner and uh reconfigure it for your specific need so and mm -hmm. I, those are all once again i understand in the huge market those are all such edge cases but there is that part of me that has loved that low level um processor intensive kind of stuff like especially in the years that i've done stuff with uh 3d apis or doing things with image processing being able to like yeah. get down to the metal sometimes is just entertaining i guess it's so it's really i don't know how <laughs> practical it is but i would love to be able to see them continue to develop a lot of this really cool custom stuff but it be available 
um, for the general use cases rather than just through that sort of very high level API that usually Apple tends to uh, expose, like, you know, with like um, uh, all the, the machine learning stuff, you know, and all these other things mm-hmm. are, are the APIs are, are, aren't too deep. They're kind of high level stuff. So, and I get why Apple does that. I mean, you know, ultimately their knowledge and their ability to tie it to how the system's operating is going to lead to much better performance out of it probably than most of us could get. It's probably going to do less battery damage when that can be an issue, you know, those sort of mm-hmm. things, right? So I, I get why they're motivated that, but I sure would love to see some of that open up for the people who want to take the deep dive and uh, and get at that hardware directly it would be fun as well. Totally. I, I think they probably say a lot of that is security related too, where oh, yeah, that's a good going point. to like lower levels means that you have to have access to more things and then you can get bad actors doing stuff in in your system right which it is it is kind of sad to see systems get more and more locked down especially compared to where a lot of the the hobbyist people started in you know the 70s 80s or whatever it was you got a board and you got a a command prompt and you could just write your own stuff to the metal and we get more and more abstracted as years go by yeah there's Um, which makes sense right like i mean you know you can't keep reaching higher and higher if you have to rebuild the foundation every single time right so yeah yeah but there is this i have a lot of nostalgia for that and it's funny it's ramped up a lot lately like over the course of uh lockdown i've gotten into watching lots of videos of people salvaging old computers and repairing them or recreating them hmm. or writing programs for all the old 8-bit machines or making an 8-bit machine from <laughs> scratch you know it's all like i i've really would would never guessed that like I would have had that nostalgia and and would watch these videos and kind of accidentally happened and I just got obsessed with watching people bring to life all this old tech that I grew up with and it reminds <laughs> me of when I was a kid hammering away inside my computer with you know way too recklessly if anyone in my family had saw what I was <laughs> doing versus the price tag of that computer probably had a complete freak out but like. Uh, I do miss that a little bit. At the same time, it's weird. I have this sort of dichotomy in me. Like, you know, my day-to-day stuff, I just want it to work. I don't want to nerd out on it. Yeah. I don't want to tweak it and tune it and everything. Like, I'm kind of dreading tomorrow. I promised my son I would help him um, do a bunch of upgrades to his gaming PC because he's got a new power supply and GPU. And I'm all like, oh, God, I really don't want to do it. But he needs to do it. <laughs> you know, it's like, we got we to gotta do it, I guess, you know. But at the same time, when I get back to that really old stuff, that's like, you know, like I'm just like – making some LEDs light up with a little tiny microcontroller. I'm all like, yeah, this is great. So I don't know. <clears throat> I'd like to learn how some of that stuff works. I never got into that that tinkering level of, of thing like growing up. And it sounds really interesting to learn, at least at a circuit level, like how does this stuff actually work? And it's not something I've ever sat down and actually learned or tried to play with. Yeah, it's. I, I always felt like a kid. It was like the closest I had come to performing magic like for some reason writing code doesn't feel magic to me very often a few things have every now and then Mm -hmm. but but for some reason wiring up some chips or some circuits and seeing it do something feels like you're a wizard to me i mean i don't know what it is Mm -hmm. but like and so i still do create it's funny because i've i uh am making moves right now i'm trying to find some sort of lab bench like thing I'm, i'm rearranging my office so i can sort of get set up for some of that home tinkering so i have giant piles of Arduinos and other microcontrollers and yeah. parts and 
shells of robots and motors and stuff and nowhere to really work on them and, and play with them. So I'm trying <laughs> to like redo my office here. So I have like a, a lab bench. I got a oscilloscope as a Christmas present. I haven't, it's like impractical is all hell, but I haven't used an oscilloscope <laughs> in so long, you know, like I did all my college. It was EE. So I spent a lot of time in the labs working on digital circuits and I've forgotten everything that I knew. And I just have this <laughs> craving to like get back into it a bit and build some hardware and uh, get away from Scrum and Agile and 8,000 new frameworks. Every are you, you going to track your <laughs> yeah. your Arduino projects in Jira? <laughs> yeah, no. There'll be no Jira at all. There'll be post-it notes for my Arduino projects. Yeah. For sure. That's super cool. But yeah, That's I'm super excited cool. to try that. I've got a couple of like little hardware projects that uh, I have... Uh, in mind and that's that's enough you know that for the longest time it's like when you don't have something to do like you're like ah what is it but i've got like two or three things that i've come up with in the past year that i'm like yeah i really want to try to build some of those things and see if i can make it happen so trying to trying to get on board with that this year that's my goal for 2021 build some more hardware that'd be cool it's been fun uh thank you for joining the show yeah i'm so happy to uh get a chance to uh to do this so i'm glad you you contacted me and gave me the opportunity happy to be here have a happy new year and uh we'll talk to you all in 2021 sounds great enjoy the new year everyone